Good morning. It is great to be here with you today, and let me say up front, thank you for not sitting in my seat. I do appreciate that very much. Um, If you came here today and you didn't know that there was a potluck meal following this, or if you came not planning on staying for that meal, I want you to change your plans or make your plans to stay for that meal. Um, There is lots and lots of food that is here. It is prepared for you. It's a great time for us to be together and get to know each other better and deepen our relationships with each other. And I have it on good authority that if we do run out of meal, there's happy meals for everybody at at the potluck. So please plan on staying for that. Right after this, we'll go over to the gym to the north of us here and enjoy that meal together. Also, I want to give a Project 6K update. If you are visiting with us, Project 6K is our Bible reading challenge. Way back in January, we challenged ourselves as a congregation to read at least 6,000 books of the Bible in 2016. And I'm very pleased to give you an update that we have now read 6,841 books of the Bible. So many people are participating in this. Uh, Many people have read many books of the Bible. Some people are in their second or third time through reading the entire Bible this year. Um, So it's great to see how immersed people are in God's Word and how it's transforming lives and it's transforming our congregation here at Netherwood Park. So keep up the good work. Keep reading in God's Word. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your many blessings. And Father, we are humbled as we have moved away from the table where we remember the death of Jesus Christ on the cross But, Father, we rejoice that the story didn't end with his death, but it continued on as he was resurrected and continues on today as he lives and as he lives in us. And, Father, thank you for that sacrifice. Father, our desire is that we will be faithful servants of yours. Father, help us to be faithful to you and be faithful to our brothers and sisters in Christ, to be faithful to our marriage partners And Father, just help us to be known for our faithfulness, not for breaking faith with you, with our church, or with our spouses. Father, we pray this through the name of Jesus, who is the Christ. Amen. So I have a question for you. Are you ready for court? Strange thing to say in church, but the reason I ask that is we are in the book of Malachi. And for the last few weeks, we have been talking about this book of Malachi, and we need to understand that we are approaching the book of Malachi as a courtroom drama. So each week we are taking our seats next to Malachi's people in court. And we're finding that our seats in Malachi's courtroom aren't just any seats. Our seats are kind of hot seats. Our seats are kind of uncomfortable seats. Our seats are hot and uncomfortable because when we choose to take our seats in this courtroom, we're also choosing to allow God to question us. We're choosing to allow God to examine us, which leads us to the often uncomfortable process of questioning and examining ourselves through the eyes of God. So court is back in session. Don't get too comfortable Last week, we talked about the importance of of examining ourselves in God's courtroom, and we're going to continue that process today. But as we do that, I want us to review just a moment what happened in court last week. Last week, we heard God accuse all of the priests that were in the courtroom of showing contempt for his name. 
And he said they showed contempt for his name by allowing blemished sacrifices to be made. And once we reminded ourselves that we're all priests and that we're all responsible for bringing our very best to our God, we realized that we too are often guilty of showing contempt for God's name. We're guilty of contempt when we offer God half-hearted rituals instead of our whole-hearted worship. And we recognize that we are guilty of contempt for God's name when we treat the Almighty God as if he's some beggar who'll be satisfied with just anything that we see fit to give him. As if God would be satisfied with coins in the offering plate that cost us nothing. As if God would be satisfied with us offering the discards to the poor that are worth nothing. As if God would be satisfied with the offering of the remnants and the scraps of our time that deprive us of nothing. As if God will be satisfied with sacrifices that don't require us to actually sacrifice anything. And so last week we concluded that we are in the danger of showing contempt for God's name anytime we forget who he is. Anytime we forget that he is our great and loving father. Anytime we forget that he is our great and loving master. Because when we forget who he is, we forget what he is due. And our great father, our great master is due everything. He's due all honor. He's due all reverence. He's due all respect. Our father and master God is due our very best. And so we left court last week determined to remember who he is and determined to give him our very best. So now we're back in court and we're here to talk about faithfulness, specifically to talk about keeping faith with our covenant partners. Covenants are agreements. They're the contracts. They're the commitments. They're the bonds that unite In the Bible, covenants unite people with their God. And in the Bible, covenants unite people with their community and with each other. And in the Bible, covenants unite husbands with their wives and wives with their husbands. And the issue before court today is faithfulness to all of those covenants. At issue today is whether God's people are faithful, whether they're devoted, whether they're true to their covenant with their father And their master. At issue today is whether God's people are faithful, whether they are constant, whether they are resolute in their covenants with each other. At issue today is whether God's people are faithful, whether they're trustworthy, whether they're obedient to their covenant with their husband or with their wife. And because the issue before court today is faithfulness to covenants, This court session will be very much concerned with unity. It'll be very much concerned with oneness. You see, because there's only one Father and there's only one God, then God's children can't have covenants with any other gods. And because the one Father, because the one God has made his children into one nation, into one priesthood, into one family into one community, into one church. 
then God's children can't claim citizenship anywhere else. They can't make a covenant with any other community. And because there is one body and one spirit and one hope and one Lord and one faith and one baptism and one God and one Father of all who is over all and through all and in all, our one God here in Malachi's courtroom is going to call us to be one faithful covenant community. At issue today is whether God's people are faithful, whether God's people are devoted, whether God's people are true to their covenant with their father and their master. At issue is whether God's people are faithful, whether they are constant, whether they are resolute in their covenants with each other. At issue today is whether God's people are going to be faithful trustworthy and obedient to their covenant with their husbands and wife. We're going to talk about faithfulness to all of our covenants. So let's step into Malachi's courtroom and let's listen to God's covenant call. I'm in Malachi chapter 2. I'll start reading in verse 10. It says, Have we not all one Father? Did not one God create us? Why do we profane the covenant of our fathers by breaking faith with one another? Judah has broken faith. A detestable thing has been committed in Israel and in Jerusalem. Judah has desecrated the sanctuary the Lord loves by marrying the daughter of a foreign god. And as for the man who does this, whoever he may be, may the Lord cut him off from the tents of Jacob even though he brings an offering to the Lord Almighty. And another thing you do, you flood the Lord's altar with your tears. You weep and you wail because he no longer pays attention to your offerings or accepts them with pleasure from your hands. And you ask, why? Well, it's because the Lord is acting as the witness between you and the wife of your youth. Because you have broken faith with her, though she is your partner, the wife of your marriage covenant. Has not the Lord made them one? In flesh and spirit they are his. And why one? Because the Lord seeks godly offspring. So guard yourselves in your spirit and do not break faith with the wife of your youth. I hate divorce, says the Lord God of Israel. And I hate a man's covering himself with violence as well as with his garment, says the Lord Almighty. So guard yourselves in your spirit and do not break faith. Well, what's the charge being leveled by God? Well, God accuses Judah of broken faith. He accuses Judah of being unfaithful. And this particular passage out of Malachi might be familiar to you. If you have ever heard a lesson or a sermon out of Malachi, likely a scripture out of this section was quoted at that time. It's probably a quote from this passage, specifically saying, when God says, I hate divorce. And God does hate divorce. And this passage addresses divorce. But this passage addresses so much more than that. 
See, God is taking his people to court because they are faith breakers. They are faith breakers in all of their covenants. And because God is a party to all of their covenants, because God is a witness to all of their covenants, because God is the source of all of their covenants, breaking faith with any of their covenant partners is also breaking faith with their God. So the people ask, how have we been unfaithful? God says, let me count the ways that you've been unfaithful to your covenants. He says, number one, you have been unfaithful to the covenant I made with you when I brought your fathers out of Egypt. You'll remember that when God rescued the Israelites from slavery, he told Moses this in Exodus chapter 6, beginning in verse 6. He said to Moses, say to the Israelites, I am the Lord and I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. I will free you from being slaves to them and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with mighty acts of judgment. Then he says, I will take you as my own people and I will be your God. Then you will know. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God who brought you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. And I will bring you to the land I swore with uplifted hand to give to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. I will give it to you as a possession. How have we been unfaithful? Well, God says you have been unfaithful by breaking your unity with your God, by worshiping the idol gods of your foreign wives. See, covenant unity with God requires covenant exclusivity with God. God says, I will accept no divided loyalties. God says, I won't accept just half of your heart. God says, I demand your whole heart. How have we been unfaithful, the people say. And God says, well, let me continue to count the ways. It says, number two, you have broken your faith with each other. You've been unfaithful to the covenant that I created between you and the other members of your community, the other members of your nation. You see, when God brought his people out of Egypt, he not only established a covenant with his people, he also established a covenant among his people, between his people. Because he made them a nation, because he made them his people, he established a covenant among and between them that mirrored the covenant that they had with him. So when God gave the people the Ten Commandments, he was giving them covenant instructions. He was giving them covenant expectations. And you'll notice as you go through the Ten Commandments that God begins with the expectations of how they should behave, how they should treat their God, their covenant God. So when we read in Exodus chapter 20, beginning in verse 2, when God says, I am the Lord your God, the one who brought you out of Egypt and out of the land of slavery. Then he gives covenant instructions about their covenant behavior towards him. So he says, because I am your covenant God... You shall have no other gods before me. And because I am your covenant God, 
You shall not make for yourself an idol in the form of anything. You shall not bow down and worship idols. He says, because I am your covenant God, you shall not misuse my name. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God. And he says, because I am your covenant God, you're to remember my Sabbath day. And you're to keep that day holy. And then God, after he's given instructions about how they were to treat him, how they were to treat their covenant God, he then turned his attention to how they were to treat each other. How they were to treat the other members of this covenant community, this covenant nation that he had created. So God continues with the commandments and he says, because you are in covenant with each other, he says, you must honor your father and you must honor your mother. He says, because you are in covenant with each other, you must not murder each other. And because you are in covenant community with each other, you must not commit adultery with each other. And because you're a part of my community, this covenant community, you must not steal from each other. And you must not give false testimony against each other. And because you're all part of my covenant community, you must not covet your neighbor's house or his wife or his servants or his ox or his donkey or anything that belongs to each other. God says, when you do any of these things to each other, you've been unfaithful to each other. You've broken your covenant with each other. How have we been unfaithful? God says, well, let me continue to count the ways that you've been unfaithful. He says, number three, he says, you've been unfaithful by breaking covenant unity with your wives. He says, you've broken covenant faith and you've broken your covenant by divorcing the wives of your youth. You've broken faith by tearing apart what God put together. How have we been unfaithful? Well, God says, you've been unfaithful by showing contempt for my covenants. You've broken faith and shown contempt for my name by turning to other gods. You've broken faith and you've shown contempt for my name by dealing treacherously with each other. And you've broken faith and you've shown contempt for my name by turning from the wives of your youth to other women. And it's this final charge that consumes most of the court time. And I'm not going to stand up here and pretend that I know why God spent more time questioning the people's commitment to their marriages than he did questioning their commitment to him or even questioning their commitment to the covenant that they have with each other. But maybe the reason why God spent more time talking about their faithlessness to their marriage covenants is because God's attention was focused on what was going on in Judah. Maybe it's because the attitude towards marriage in Judah might have been a lot like the attitudes towards marriage in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Maybe they were taking their marriage covenants very lightly. 
Maybe the commitments to the wives of their youth were all as shallow as many of the commitments to the wives of our youth. Maybe divorce in Judah had become as epidemic as divorce in Albuquerque. Maybe wives and husbands and marriages were discarded as often in Judah as they seemed to be discarded in Albuquerque. Now, I can't know for sure why God placed this particular emphasis on the marriage covenant. But I do know that this is perhaps the best reminder that we have of God's very high view of marriage. And this is perhaps the best exclamation, explanation that we have of why God truly hates divorce. And the reason God hates divorce is because divorce breaks a sacred covenant. This session of court shows us why God cares so much about his people remaining faithful to their, their marriage covenants. So we ask the question, why be faithful to our marriage covenants? And God tells us that we should be faithful to our marriage covenants because he is a witness. God is a witness. Because he is a participant. Because God is a participant. Because he is a third partner in these covenants. So we need to understand that when we're unfaithful to our marriage covenants... We aren't just unfaithful to our wife. We're not just unfaithful to the husband of our youth. We're also unfaithful to our God. But God doesn't stop there. God also tells us that we should be faithful to our marriage covenants because he has actively taken the two. He has actively taken the one man and the one woman. He's actively taken the husband and the wife and he has joined the two of them into One. That's why Jesus had this to say about divorce in Matthew chapter 19, beginning in verse 3. We read that some Pharisees came to Jesus to test him, and they asked, Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any and every reason? Haven't you read, Jesus replied, that at the beginning the Creator made them male and female and said, For this reason a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one. And then Jesus says, Therefore what God has joined together, let man not separate. What God has joined together, no one, not Husband, not wife, no one should feel empowered to separate. But God doesn't even stop there. God also tells us that we shouldn't break faith with our marriage covenant and with our marriage partners because that marriage covenant mirrors exactly God's covenant with his covenant people. See, ultimately, God hates divorce Because people that he has called into covenant are called to keep their covenants. They're called to keep all of their covenants. God doesn't really make a big distinction among the covenants. God believes that faithful people will keep their covenant promises in all of their covenants. See, part of being faithful to our God is being faithful to our covenant with his people. And part of being faithful to our God is being faithful 
to our covenant with our wives and our husbands. Because God is a partner. Because God is a witness. Because God is a participant in our covenant. He's a participant in our covenant with our community. And he's a participant in our covenant marriages. So why does God hate divorce? And why should we hate divorce? Well, divorce is worthy of hate because faithlessness to the marriage covenant dishonors the divine presence of God in our marriages. And it also disrupts our covenant relationship with our God. Remember God's words from Malachi. He said, another thing you do, you flood the Lord's altar with tears. You weep and wail because God no longer pays attention to your offerings or accepts them with pleasure from your hands. And you ask, why? And then he tells them why. He says, it's because the Lord is acting as the witness between you and the wife of your youth because you have broken faith with her, even though she is your partner even though she's the wife of your marriage covenant. See, divorce is worthy of hate because God does not accept the sacrifices. God does not accept the praises from people who are at the same time being unfaithful to each other and being unfaithful to their marriage covenant. And divorce is worthy of hate because divorcing a faithful covenant partner is an act of violence against that partner. It's an act of violence against the covenant family. It's an act of violence against the covenant community. And I know that may sound like overheated rhetoric. That may sound like I'm carrying things too far by suggesting that divorce of a faithful spouse is violence. But listen again to God in Malachi's courtroom. He says, I hate divorce. He says, and I hate a man's covering himself with violence as well as with his garment, says the Lord Almighty. See, divorce and violence aren't two separate charges. God is saying, you cover yourself with violence when you divorce your faithful covenant partner. He says, you bring harm to your wife. You bring harm to your husband. You bring harm to the innocent party. And you bring harm to your children and you bring harm to the rest of your family. And you bring harm to your covenant community. You bring harm to your church. It's violence. No wonder God hates divorce. And no wonder God ends this court scene with a plea to his people to guard yourselves. He says, guard yourselves in your spirit and do not break faith. And that's why I'm going to end our session together with a call to faith. I want to say to you, my brothers and sisters, I want to say to you, my covenant partners, let's guard ourselves in our spirits And let's never break faith. Let's be people who are known as faithful covenant keepers. Let's be known for our wholehearted devotion to our covenant God. And let's be known for our wholehearted devotion to his covenant community, to his 
church. And let's be known for our wholehearted devotion to our covenant spouses. Because if we've learned anything in court, we've learned that when we're faithful to our covenants, it's then that we're living in the very image of our faithful covenant God. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word spoken through the prophet Malachi. And Father, his words are often difficult to hear. But Father, we hear him calling us to faithfulness. Help us to answer that call to be faithful to you and our covenant with you. Help us to be faithful to our brothers and sisters of Christ. Help us to be faithful to your church. And Father, help us to be faithful to our husbands and faithful to our wives. Father, help us to live in the very image of you, the one and only and truly faithful God. Father, give us that kind of faithfulness. And Father, we pray this in the name of Jesus, who is the Christ, and who on the cross demonstrated your faithfulness to your children. It's in his holy name that we pray. Amen. So as we end this morning, I want us to end in song. I want us to rise up as a covenant community. I want us to lift our unified voices together in praise of our faithful God. Let's stand. Let's sing.